This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hi, everyone. You're tuned into the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. And I am Chris Knudsen, professional engineer, project manager, strategy consultant, leadership coach, and saxophonist. That's right, saxophonist. And I'm extremely excited to be with you on this episode today. It's an awesome one. And you can tell I'm just a little bit pumped up because I just got off of a great trip back to the States where Anthony and I were able to link up down in New Orleans last week for the Louisiana Civil Engineering Conference and Expo. I was there speaking on the topic of critical thinking and decision-making, but more importantly, the two of us were there to start the groundwork for next May's Engineering Career Summit, which is going to go down the 12th to the 14th of May 2016 in New Orleans. We had a great time connecting with some just absolutely amazing civil engineers from the city, and I can tell you that it's going to be great. It's in New Orleans, so that's awesome to begin with, but the content for this event is going to be awesome. We've got two superb keynote speakers already lined up. Will Schneier, who's the president of Big Red Dog, it's an architectural engineering firm over in Texas. He was the guest of episode 13 of the Civil Engineering Podcast. Anthony interviewed him. It was a great interview. He is going to be one of our keynoters. And I also have my friend and professional leadership coach, Croft Edwards, who's going to be providing us some superb leadership wisdom through his leadership flow training. You can find out all about the event. Go over to engineeringevent.com. It's engineeringevent, one word, dot com. General tickets are going to go on sale in early January. But if you're interested in being a sponsor, you can reach out to me at chris at engineeringcareercoach.com, or you can go over and visit engineeringevent.com forward slash sponsors. So yeah, really pumped up. Had a great time down in New Orleans, and it was great to see some of the engineering career community members down there and spread the word about that as well. And uh, today's episode, yeah, you know, engineers were, were known the world over for being experts at networking and relationship development, right? Yeah, not so much. That's why I decided it would be a great idea to reach out to an expert in networking relationship development in making connections, Suzanne Rohan. And I can tell you that this lady, she walks the walk, not just talks the talk. Since we had the opportunity to record this episode for you, she has connected me with some absolutely amazing people. I'm so grateful that we had the opportunity to become friends, to do this interview. And she's just an absolute rock star in the realm of networking, relationship development, and making connections. She's a former teacher who, since being laid off, has literally become the world-class expert, the go-to person. She's an author, has written on this topic. Her two books, How to Work a Room and Face-to-Face, How to Reclaim the Personal Touch in a Digital World, are absolutely gold. I have hard copies of both of these, and I say they're golden because they provide some amazing, actionable wisdom that each of us can use to up our game in the social category something that's absolutely foundational for each of us in our careers. So we're going to get into a lot of the details on this in today's episode. There's a ton of show notes that are going to be uh, to go along with this one. You can go look at all the links of the resources and the books that uh, she and I touch on. You can get there by going to engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash socialize. You can go over there and check it out and enjoy what you're going to see there. And before we get into the main segment, I want to recognize today's sponsor, PPI, who makes this show possible. 
So if you're thinking about taking the FE, PE, or SE exam this year, I recommend that you check out PPI, the Leader in Engineering Exam Preparation. For a special 15% discount, you can use promo code COACH at ppi2pass.com forward slash coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com slash coach, and use promo code COACH at checkout for a 15% discount on your order. So as we always do, I want to share a quote with you to prep us for some networking and relationship development goodness. And this one actually comes from today's guest. I can do that because she's published, uh, Suzanne Rowan. And the quote goes, the rewards go to the risk takers, those who are willing to put their egos on the line and reach out to other people and to a richer, fuller life for themselves. And now the one and only, the mingling maven, Suzanne Rowan. Welcome back to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast and the main segment of our show. And Susan, welcome. I'm really excited that you're here. We had the chance to connect a couple months ago when I when I asked you to come on to the show uh, after I had heard uh, heard your interview on a uh, on a different podcast. Actually, it was the Pat Flynn uh, Smart Passive Income Podcast, which we'll uh, we'll have linked up in the show notes for today's episode as well. And uh, again, just just excited and honored to have you on the show. Let's just dive into the questions because, I mean, I know that there's a, a lot of, of our listeners are sitting out there going, hey, you know, networking, I've got some conferences that are coming up, different ones that I'm looking at going to for the year. And for engineers, I'll just start off by just saying myself, at least, you know, we're kind of viewed as being very introverted, not very outgoing. And I know even for myself, I sometimes get intimidated when I'm going to conferences and trying to figure out, okay, how, do, how am I going to walk into these rooms? And, and interact with the other people that are there. So can you just maybe share, like, what are what are some things that I, I need to be thinking about as I'm getting ready for a conference or an event that I can be ready and maximize the event's results? Okay, number one, this is the Susan Rowan version of setting everybody straight. Working a room, because that's one skill, the ability to, and let me give it the original term that we called it, socializing. So when you go to an event, a, a party, a conference, a meeting, a fundraiser, whatever, that is the socializing part. It can have a business component, but networking is different. I can prove it. I wrote two separate books, How to Work a Room and The Secrets of Savvy Networking, Nothing Repeated. You want to have both skills. And the truth is there are people that are great at working a room question, but they don't have any of the follow-up skills. So they're awful networkers. And then there are people who are phenomenal networkers. They follow up. They send you the articles. They send you the URLs. They make the introduction. But the thought of walking into a room full of strangers, even at a conference of colleagues, still is daunting. So what we want is both skills. But I think the misnomer of calling the mingling part networking is what sets everyone's teeth on edge. And all of a sudden, everyone, I'm shy, I'm introverted, I'm this. So that's part one. They're two different skills. Together, they're dynamic. Part two is we've got to stop labeling other people and ourselves. If we Everywhere we go, we go, well, I'm introverted, and I don't do this, and I'm going to wait to see what people say. And, or this other person's introverted, and I, why would I approach them? I think we need to lose the labels and the self-labels. Let's approach it differently. Here is a room full of people who are potential colleagues, 
who are potential cohorts, who are potential sources. And I'm going to be old school and say, and maybe even friends. So let's just switch our mindset. But before you go, the first thing is do your due diligence. There are a whole lot of people that go, well, I didn't know what to say. I go, really? Did you read a paper? (laughs) I mean, you know, I once had a guy come up to me and one of these, uh, he was a C-suite person. And he came up to me and he said, you know, Susan, I'm way too busy to read the paper. But I, I don't know what to say to people. And I wanted to look at him and shake him and say, did you just hear what came out of your mouth? Read a paper. Go online. Right now you can get news aggregates. I get something called The Week. Every day, 10 things I should know that's going on in the community, the world, the country. Be aware. Second thing is go to the website of the event and the conference you're going to. You will get so much information. You will see who the officers are. You might even be able to see the list of people who've already registered, and that would allow you to go to Google and to LinkedIn so that you know something about people. So there is no reason to go anywhere in this day and age unprepared. So number one is prepare. And I know that engineers are very good at preparing. That's part of what you do. So that's the top tip. And think of a couple things to talk about just in case there's a lull in the conversation. What would you bring up? You know, it could be a restaurant, a movie, uh, a new discovery in the world of engineering, a new case that's come up that everyone's talking about. Think of something of what you read that would help move the conversation forward and would make you more comfortable. You come with three backup conversational points and you'll be well prepared. That's huge. I think one of the one of the items that that uh, I just took out of out of your explanation of this was this the concept of looking at a room full of strangers potentially as being what I I would classify put it in engineering terms potential energy. There's a potential for opportunities, unknown opportunities that sit within that room, and really your ability to be able to go in there and to be able to have interactions with these other people may unleash opportunities and potential energy that you wouldn't know any other way. So I think that that's great. And I also thought this concept of dropping the labels is so important, but it's something that gets so ingrained into our minds. The whole concept of the introvert, extrovert. I just recently wrote an article on the topic of being an ambivert. And so, you know, somebody who is, you know, really introverted, but at times can be extroverted. Do you think that just just dropping labels altogether is necessary, or is there if if you're stuck on this, if you, you've got ways that you can work around this to still be sociable and to be successful in networking? You know, I'm going to sound very I don't know what I'm going to sound like when I say I used to be a teacher in Chicago, and I remember that I was asked by other teachers, "Well, did you read his report from you know fifth grade?" I made it a conscious decision not to read what other people said about my students. I did not want my view to be tainted. And you know, it was the best decision I ever made because the kid that started trouble in fifth grade never started trouble with me because I never read that he was a troublemaker. I think we have this thing called expectations and people live up or down to them. But when you find the person that's not a big talker, If you hit the area that they are interested in, guess what? 
They're no longer an introvert. They become the big conversationalist just through conversation and finding the common bond. Yeah, I think we've got to stop. I think that this whole introvert, extrovert, um, ambivert has gone way over. I mean, it was Jungian and in the 30s, and he, he said we're all everything anyway. We all pull out what we need to based on the situation. But here's what I would say. It's a good to know that you might be shy. It's good to know that you might be an introvert. It's good. I think it's even better to know if you're a narcissist. And please stop being one. But, you know, we all get tired of that. Isn't it funny the narcissist never thinks they are one, but all the introverts think they are. I never understood that. <laughs> Absolutely. I think if we approach a room as an opportunity, as possibilities, you talked about energy. I said that why I called it how to work a room Work is defined as the expenditure of energy. So what I'd say to the to engineers is if you know it's the release of energy, come into a room and bring your energy with you. Being stayed and kind of laid back and very analytical, other people are there. They got a they have a drink in one hand and hors d'oeuvre in another. It's called Let's make this a social bowl situation because what we're really doing in every room is we're socializing, we're conversing, we're interacting. And if we're lucky, not only are we sharing information, isn't it the best when we share a laugh with someone? Yeah, absolutely. I know that from, from my, some of my own experience, actually just being, de- being deployed with the Air Force, that some of the, some of the closest relationships I ended up building on these deployment, and not only with my fellow Americans who were deployed with me, but also with non-Americans in the different countries that I was in, was based on on this very sociable, non-work-related, let's just call it the intersection of life, discussions that I would have with, with these other individuals. And that was where the real connections came. So yeah, I think uh, definitely sharing a laugh can easily open up sections that you, you normally wouldn't get to if you're just trying to, I guess, give an elevator pitch, if you would. Oh, please don't get me started. <laughs> Here's if you listen to anyone in all of our listeners who tells you to have your elevator pitch prepared for events you're going to, let me tell you, pitch that pitch. There is nobody that wants to walk into a room, a conference, whatever, and hear you go on 15 to 30 seconds about yourself. You shouldn't even give it in an elevator. That's the other thing. It's, and you know what you want to say about yourself. So I'm going to give you all, and I, I know I'm saying this in a lighthearted way, but why would I come on a podcast to have a bad time? And this is what I'd want to share. Everywhere you go, go with a purpose, go with a focus. But here's the number one tip, which I'll reiterate later. Go to have a good time. Because when you're having a good time, you're the person people want to talk to. You're more approachable. But I want to give all of our listeners uh, the three outstanding and important traits of your self-introduction. It is not an elevator pitch. Your self-introduction at any conference, any meeting, any party, any wedding, because guess what? We still get invited to those too, Christian. Absolutely. By the way, I'm, I'm a great guest at a wedding. Just thought I'd just put that out there. <laughs> Here's what you do. Three tips, your self-introduction. Number one, it's seven to nine seconds. It's not 15 to 30. It's a pleasantry. Seven to nine seconds. And it's second piece of that key to the event you're at. When you're at an engineering conference, 
sponsored by a professional association, you might introduce yourself one way. When you're at an engineering event sponsored by, you know, maybe another company, you introduce yourself another way. So key it to that event. I mean, if you go to a wedding and you introduce yourself as an engineer, I mean, really? People don't care. Here's what we learned. And I've been to weddings. If I introduce myself, I'm Susan Rowan. I'm the best-selling author of How to Work Room and several other books and a fabulous speaker, all of which I think are utterly true. Guess what? They don't care. What do they want to know at a wedding? Do you know the bride? Do you know the groom? How do you know them? So what you do is you tailor your self-introduction to whatever event you're at. And the reason you want to give other people who might be a little more uncomfortable, a little more introverted, a little more shy, context for why you're there, that will help them talk to you. That's enormous. And I think, you know, the other piece of this is that you're really, you're, you're helping other people who possibly may be more, let's say, scared. Scared. Yeah, scared, maybe even shy than you are, which could be a tough, a tough concept to wrap one's head around. The fact that if you're, if you're scared and shy, that there may be somebody else out there that's actually more scared or shy than you are. So I think that's a, that's a great, great way to put that. Would you differentiate the savvy networker from everyone else as being the, the person that, that is able to read that room, to be able to have the right, you know, to be able to tailor their message, their, their introductions differently than other people? Or are there different skills that a, a savvy networker may have that, let's say, you know, the other 80% of the people don't have? Okay. Yes, yes, and yes. But uh, by the way, what I've also, besides that I own the trademark for how to work room. I also own the trademark for the mingling maven. So the mingling maven is we want everyone in a room. My goal is to give honestly Christian people, and I love what you said, the technical tips. And I love alliteration and tools so you can walk into any room and most importantly, feel comfortable, feel confident. But here is my tip to do that. Instead of thinking of what can I do to make myself comfortable, because you've already been Rowanized, you're going to read the paper, you're going to read online, you're going to read a curated news, you're going to come in prepared, you're going to know who's at the event or the general theme. Instead of thinking, what can I do to make myself comfortable? I want you to focus on what can I do to make that other person comfortable with me? Very different mindset. What you do when you think of what can I do to make that person comfortable with me? They will become more comfortable. They'll become more open. They'll talk to you. Next thing you know, you're really in a conversation. So that would be the tip. But I want to go back and give you a third tip of the self-introduction at any event. It came from my friend Patricia Fripp, an amazing keynote speaker and executive speech coach. And she always said to me, Rowan, call me by my last name, Rowan, tell people not to give their titles. Tell them to give the benefit of what they do. Oh, my goodness. When you give the benefit of what you do, you give people the opportunity to ask the first question or make the first comment. And then they feel they started the conversation. They're more relaxed. You're more relaxed. And guess what? You're in a conversation. So an example would be I asked a woman at my uh, health club. I said, oh, why don't you come to the 10 o'clock class. We have a great dance class. She says, I can't, I work. And I said to her, 
really, Heather, what do you do? Classic benefit statement. She looked at me deadpan and said, I teach horses to dance. What? Salsa? Well, as it turns out, I said, tell me what that means. And she said, I teach dressage. It started a conversation. Give the benefit of what you do because you're giving the other person the opportunity to ask the first question and become comfortable and engaged. That's enormous. So they kind of reiterate this again. It's just, it's really no, no titles, your benefit, which plays into a lot of some of the topics that we've, we've talked about here on the Engineering Career Coach podcast about providing value. You know, how do you explain the value that you provide? So essentially we're again, just saying, instead of here's who I am or what I do, this is the value that I provide to the world or to whatever audience that I serve. So that is absolutely awesome. I'm going to brag. I went to University of Illinois, which all of our engineering people have heard of because of the engineering school. By the way, I majored in history, so I didn't go to that. (laughs) that. Um, When I go to Illinois events here in San Francisco, I go, oh, look, I'm one of the only liberal arts majors. However, one of our graduates, and I knew this years ago, was one of the chief engineers designing the Golden Gate Bridge. So Joseph Strauss, how would he introduce himself? Oh, I help you get from one city to another. I bridge the gap between two counties. You know, say something. I just made that up, by the way. (laughs) Very good. Say something about the results of what you do, but say it with a way that is not that you're poking fun at it because, you know, what you do is very serious, but it intrigues people and you can even do it in terms of an outcome. I mean, when I talk to realtors, I put a roof over your head. Well, what does that mean? And then you're invited to explain a little bit more what you do. But now I want to give you the magical phrase. As you have been asked and explain a little bit more, here's what you do. After 10 or 12 seconds, you stop talking about yourself and you turn to the person and say, Oh, and what about you? Not what you do, but what about you? What about you? Because how about this? I had a friend that I met and what she did bored her to tears. But what she did as her avocation, which as a counselor for suicide prevention, was where her heart was. So when I said, what about you? She never talked about what she did. She talked about what she did as a volunteer, that she loved and spoke to her heart. But when you say, and what's your job or what are you, you know, what if someone's retired? What if someone's between jobs? And what about you allows people to answer of their avocation? Or, you know, when you say, what do you do? You say that to a mom that's like got four kids and, you know, like, really? When do I have time to rest? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's, a, that's a great question because, again, it opens, up, it opens up opportunity as opposed to, again, this concept that we were, we were talking about a little bit earlier about the labels. Because I think, obviously, if you ask the question, what do you do or what is your job, you've, again, you've, you've pushed a label into the discussion as opposed to leaving it open-ended and possibilities that might come from that. So that's uh, powerful. So you, you spotlight that the concept of small talk as being very powerful. We've, we've touched on it a little bit, but why should busy people waste time with idle chit-chat? Okay, so 
I'm so glad you asked it that way. When I was writing, what do I say next? I surveyed a hundred people that I thought were good conversationalists. And I asked, it was a three page questionnaire, which now nobody would ever answer because they don't have time. But what I found was so interesting is number one, to a person, every single person that I thought was a great conversationalist, not one of them denigrated small talk. They saw it as a way to get to know people. Oh, your son plays lacrosse? So does my daughter. Oh, your mother is uh, going into a retirement community? So is mine. Oh, you like deep dish pizza? Which we from Chicago, I'm originally from Chicago, swear by. People will say to me, is that a conversation? And I think, Oh, yeah. Deep dish pizza. Big conversation. That's a huge conversation for people from Chicago. <laughs> it really is. And, it, you know, you could be 95 and, you know, you're still talking about it. But you find that out through small talk. As we said earlier, you can start with the serious talk about what you do and you could talk about the serious important subjects of, oh, my God, there's war and famine and pestilence. Or you could do this thing that I think is absolutely revolting, meet someone and decide to dive deeper because you want to get to know them. But I'm originally from Chicago. And if you start diving deeper and I never met you and you want to know what makes my heart sing and what do I do that? Really? Who are you? You have to earn the right to dig deeper. You have to earn via starting with small talk having an exchange, moving it forward, you earn the right to ask the bigger questions. You, you don't just start with that. That's, I know there are people that think that's fine, but it's actually not smart or savvy. You start small and then segue to that, which is different. Because guess what? Relationships happen not overnight. They happen over time. Well, it's also possible that you may find out when, you, when you're doing this small talk that, that perhaps you really don't have there's, – there's no connection there. That's okay, right? If you get into this in the conversation with somebody and you find out, hey, there just isn't a – there's just not a connection here. We're not you – know, we're, we're, from, we're from two different – totally different poles. It, it's okay that you could be in that kind of a situation with somebody. Absolutely. You know, I spoke for one of the very big law firms here in the Bay Area on a retreat up in Tahoe. By the way, they picked the day that there was snow. Not my fun thing coming from Chicago. I just thought I'd add that in there. <laughs> but one of the th partners said, just what you said, what if you're talking to someone, they're nothing in common and they bore you and whatever. And the managing partner looked at this partner and said, that means you haven't found the right conversation piece. He said, don't forget the person that there's nothing in common with you may have something in common with someone else you know who's in that room, another partner, another coworker, whatever. And what you can do, and this is really actually a nice thing to do, when you meet the person that is, let's say they're a big movie buff, and you really aren't a movie buff and you don't care because the last movie you saw was in 1990. But if you know someone who is, you can say, you know, one of my colleagues is a big, uh, you know, Judd Apatow, you know, 40-year virgin or 40-year-old virgin fan. Let me introduce you to them. So you can be the savvy networker by being the great introducer. 
when you find someone that there's nothing in common with, introduce them to someone else that you might know has that in common. Now, sometimes there's nothing in common, but I'm going to give you the hint that I, I actually used in What Do I Say Next? is you may think you have nothing in common. Honestly, Christian, I don't have children. I don't have pets. You start talking about your dog and my eyes could glaze over. You start talking about your two-year-old in the terrible twos. But I've learned that if I wanted to keep my friends who have kids and pets, I had to develop the skill. But what I do is, and this is the theme, borrow other people's lives. So when someone talks about their chocolate lab, I borrow Susan and Michael's chocolate lab. Oh, Lucy's just so lively and she's such a... I borrow their stories. And it's like I'm never in jumping out of an airplane that's in good shape. But I have a friend who's a professional skydiver. I borrow Jim's life when I meet someone who talks about going skydiving. So it's not that we don't have something in common when we have a network of friends, relatives, colleagues, and we listen to their stories, we can share their stories as a way to connect with people we otherwise would not connect with. What would you say to somebody who would, who would hear that and say, well, that's, that's not genuine? You know, I, I don't feel comfortable essentially borrowing somebody else's story. Is there any kind of a concern with, with that being an issue? No. You don't want to hear what I would really say, so let me say it this way. (laughs) You really don't want to hear. What I would say is, you know, people tell you stories about their kids, their parents, their cars, their whatever, because they trust that you're going to listen and remember. But when you can say, and this is another way we get back to our careers, when you can say, oh, that reminds me of a former client who had this similar situation, this is how we helped him. That's how you segue to talk about your career as an engineer, either building your practice or changing your position, etc. Don't be afraid. By the way, all of my friends like telling me about their kids because number one, I heard the punchline and two, I used them in books and they still think they're going to get royalties, which they're not. <laughs> well, if you ever need to borrow a story about a chocolate lab, just let me know because I've got one that I can I can share with you with my dog, Ruby. <laughs> See, and who knew that you had a chocolate lab? Folks, we have just had live the exact thing that happens. And I want to give you this word and it's not a word that is one that engineers use, but I'd like you to embrace It's the word serendipity. It's the unplanned things that happen because you said yes and show up. I also want you all to follow me on Twitter because I, I mean, I tweet like three to four times a day. I send URLs. I send sections from books and blogs. But really, these are the tips that we're talking about is when we're really talking to people, What we can learn are the little things that connect us in ways you never imagined. And then that changed the relationship. And then when you're talking to someone, that might be the person that says, oh, you're a great great guy, great gal, who would refer a client to you, who would refer you to a position, who would say, oh, yeah, you have a son, my son. You know, I just heard of a company that's hiring who would get your son or daughter a job. Really would not that after you pay that much for college, anybody that gets your kids a job, put them in your will. <laughs> Absolutely. 
And in to just you know kind of I guess piggyback on the on this term serendipity, which may be a new word for 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 some of our listeners out there. I know, I know, I know. It's and, and I know what it is, and I and I honestly believe that it is it, it is it's alive and, and powerful in our world. I mean, for all intents and purposes, you and I are having this conversation right now for this podcast because of serendipity. What are the odds that I would listen to a particular podcast that that would resonate with me and then that I would take action to reach out to you and that you would have the time and that this would all happen? So I think it's uh, I think it's definitely a great a great way. And it really, again, it kind of touches back to what we've already already hit on with this idea of, of entering a room, whether it be a, a real room or a digital room, a virtual room and having the confidence to go into that room and to be a savvy networker and to be someone who's willing to open up and to share some, uh, some what you call chit chat or small talk in order to be able to develop a relationship. So before we move off the topic of real physical rooms, because I, I know that there's a lot of, a lot of our listeners who are involved in, in the virtual environment, you and I both are, there's do's and don'ts there as well. So I want to move into that, but I, I do want to touch on something that's always been really an awkward situation for me. And that's when, when I'm in a conversation that I'm already in, I'm engaged in. And the individual that I'm talking with, we've reached the natural end point, or I truly don't have anything in common with this person. And it's just, they haven't found, we just haven't found the right thing to talk about that wants to keep me engaged. And I'm also, let's say, in a conference situation where I've got a very limited time and I want to try to get out there and meet some other people. How do I disengage from it without being a complete jerk? Is there a way that I can do that? You've come to the right place, Christian. No, actually, that is the number one question I've been asked in almost three decades. Because people will say to me, I know how to put out my hand, shake hands, and say hello. How do I get out? So let me give you three quick ways. Number one, when the conversation is going well, What you do is you stop and you interrupt yourself, not the other person. And you say, hey, it's been great to talk to you about. And you summarize in a couple of words what you talked about so the other person knows you listen. Now, if you want a card exchange and that hasn't happened, you then say, do you have a card? If that person doesn't ask you for yours, you can say, may I offer you one of mine? Now, I am a big believer in using the language of etiquette and good manners. It adds maybe a fraction of a second, but in the long haul, if you decide to get to the point and get to the nub and you cut out all the extraneous, by the time you die, you'll only have saved an hour and missed out on friendships. So don't save that. Use the language, a few extra words that shows the polite. Once that happens... It's been lovely talking to you. It's been interesting talking to you. What fun to talk to you. I learned so much. And then what you do is you shake hands because the handshaking also ends the conversation. It signifies that it's over. But then you walk a quarter of the room away from the person. You don't want to just turn your back because then you will have turned your back. That's not nice. Walk another quarter of the room away to another group or a person standing alone. And by the way, I want to encourage all of our listeners. People standing alone are great people to talk to at an event. They might be more uncomfortable than you and would be so relieved to have you approach them. It's not only a strategic thing to do, it's a nice thing to do. I've also heard that that sometimes the, those people are the ones who are the most confident. 
that they've you know they, they've they've reached wherever it is that they're trying to go and they're the most confident and they're not the ones that are most interested in going around and and you could actually end up having a conversation with somebody who is you know very influential who has just an amazing story to tell you and so on and so forth so it's again it's like potential energy that you just don't know about well i'm going to add to that According to the research at Stanford, 90% of American adults self-identify as shy. That includes CEOs, C-suite people. Uh, you'll hear, I mean, I used to watch, now I'm going to forget the name of the show, with all the uh, the interviews with James Lipton, Actor Studio, and you'll find that like 90% of famous actors will tell you they're shy. So when you go over to that person standing alone, that person could be the person you would want to talk to. But you won't know anything until you do. I've had it happen where very well-known author was standing there. He'd already sold a gazillion books, number one on bestseller lists, and he showed up at the San Francisco chamber to speak and no one was talking to him. And I went over and said to him, isn't this interesting? You're famous and no one wants to talk to you. (laughs) But you know what? That started a conversation and you know, we've remembered each other ever since. I do. I get away with a lot of things only because I'm 4'11", which I think that's really the truth. But you know what? Being lighthearted, being open, open to serendipity, going and talking to people. Here's another way to get out. What if it's a bad conversation and the person is not interested in you? Number one, it could be that they're preoccupied with a problem at work or with the family and it has nothing to do with you. So you don't want to be rude. What you say, you can't say it's been wonderful talking to you because it's been awful. What you put, do is put out your hand, big smile on your face, shake the hand and say, hey, I hope you enjoy the rest of the conference, the meeting, the party, the wedding. Yep. The next time you see him at the next conference, the next professional association meeting, everything could be fine. And you don't want to be rude to them and have them think that you're rude and then have nothing to do with you the next time. So – does that, that gives you two ways to get out of conversations. And you still walk a quarter of the room away to another person alone or another group. That's enormous. I personally appreciate that. I've got a, a conference that I'll be at myself here in a couple of weeks. So uh, that, that will be useful. I think another one that I find that that's, is equally awkward is, is how to disengage from a conversation is what, what do you do – if there's already a conversation in motion, it's, it's somebody that you, that you want to connect with or you happen to overhear a conversation that's going on and you think, wow, that's, that's actually a conversation that I want to be a part of. How can you move yourself into a conversation that's already in motion and do it so that, again, it's not awkward, like you're forcing yourself into a discussion? Okay. I call that in How to Work Room, breaking and entering. So, <laughs> well, when you see a a couple of people having a conversation and you can hear and they look animated. This is especially true when you walk into any conference or event and it looks like everyone's in groups and you're not and you're going, oh my God, get me out of here. What you do, even when you hear something interesting is you stand on the periphery and do agreeable body language. Now, what you can do, as was said to me in one of my uh, programs that I did in New York by a very affable person, You could say, I couldn't help but overhearing what an interesting blah, blah, blah. And you can, I couldn't help but overhearing. Then you're kind of explaining that you did overhear. I was so intrigued by, well, who's going to be upset that you're intrigued by something they said? We all want to be intriguing. And that's one way to do it. And 
you know, just give people the kudos for having the interesting animated conversation that you want to be part of. But I'm going to give everyone listening a tip that's going to change the way they go to events. When you are in a room and you are in groups and there's someone standing in the periphery, we all have peripheral vision, my ophthalmologist said. So when you can see and feel there's someone in the periphery trying to get in your group, you will be a mingling maven and a savvy networker if you'll take one step back. Because when you do that, you will have reset the circle and included the person that's been excluded in trying to get in. That will change what people say about you and what they think about you because people want to be around people that included them. That's, that's powerful. And uh, again, I've got this opportunity coming up in a couple of weeks to, to even put this to, to into motion. And my partner, Anthony, uh, is going to be joining me and, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll have to put this into, uh, into practice when we're at the, at the conference. So, Susan, I want to segue now into the virtual environment because it's a place where you and I got connected. It's a place where a lot of people do, they do business, they do air quotes networking, they do interactions with people. And I just want to ask, you know, in the social networking sites that are out there, what are some tips that you might be able to share with the listeners for a, somebody can do to make a better job of their online chatting? And what about some don'ts? Oh, I'm the queen of don'ts. Um, first of all, every room you're in has its own, let's say, unwritten policies. I'm a big Twitter fan. I love Twitter. You handle Twitter differently than you handle LinkedIn. You handle LinkedIn differently than Google+, differently than Facebook, either the business page or people's regular page. The number one rule, and I've been saying this for years and it includes emails, don't put anything in any kind of writing, and by the way, it doesn't go away on the internet, that you wouldn't want to be heard in front of your favorite grandparent or a judge because nothing goes away. So you want to be very careful with any of these. I've seen a lot of Twitter feuds and sarcastic comments. That is nothing we do. Twitter is a way of supporting people, uh, retweeting them, favoriting their remarks. This is not the place to have a conversation. I see a lot of people have conversations via Twitter that's like, Get a room. I mean, really, it's, Mm -hmm. I mean that take your conversation and pick up the phone. So many people use online to air whatever they have to say back and forth and back and forth. If you're going back and forth, you would save yourself time and be wise and really build a relationship and come up with solutions. If you will add into that packet of things that you do to pick up the phone and call people. That will solve problems. But for Twitter, you, you have 140 characters. I still say, I'm a former teacher, please still use good grammar or I'm going to think less of you. <laughs> and in LinkedIn, I see this with a lot of people I know. Everything is selling, selling, selling ad nauseum. LinkedIn brings something to the banquet. Maybe it's an article. Maybe it's a link to something that you saw that other people might not see. Share something of someone else's. When I see something that one of my pals has written, whatever, that I think is good, 
how you build relationships with people, even, pardon me for saying influencers, is share something they've written or they've said. So it isn't always about you. And that's another way to build a relationship with that person that you want to build a relationship with. That's huge. And I, and, and I really think it's something that, um, that I know that I, I personally have had, had some you know, d- difficulties with and some of the people that I follow and you know, there's the constant bombardment of selling, selling, selling. Ugh. So I read recently, and I think it may have actually been in a book by Dan Pink, uh, How to, you know, to Sell as Human. I don't know if you've, if you've read that one or not. but Oh, yes, I have. Just a, a great book, and, and we'll, have, we'll have that one linked along with all of your books in the show notes for today's episode. But in that book, he, he highlights the, the shift in, in content flow and really you know, this, this concept of selling. It's a human concept, and it's really not necessarily so much selling in today's age as it is moving and trying to influence people. And one of the best ways that you can do that is what I, I really like was the concept was to be a curator, to curate information, to be – there's so much of it that's out there. And, and like you highlighted, Susan, that there's so much of it out there that's selling. It's refreshing to have information that's shared, especially by people that are within your group that is that may actually be – useful to you because it's an article or a, or a funny image or, or whatever it might be. So that's uh, those are huge tips. I appreciate that. I'm going to ask you this next question. It's somewhat loaded. And I will tell you up front that we're going we're gonna to have links to all of your books in our show notes. What other books would you recommend someone read on the topics? It could be related to the topics of, of networking of socializing, or they could be other books that you've read that you've found to be really kind of an impact in your professional career and the goodness that you bring to the world. Oh, goodness that I bring to the world. I like that. Well, number one, I read three newspapers a day in print every day, and I read several online. So the idea of I have to refine and see that that's work for me because then I share it with people. And when I find something interesting, funny, whatever, I I am a curator. I always have been. But the books that I recommend in terms of networking and my friend Dori Clark, who would be a great guest for you, she wrote Stand Out and she wrote Reinventing You. She has some wonderful ideas. And I love her books. Both of those books I recommend. When I give a gift, I often give my, you know, my fourth edition of How to Work Room. But recently I gave for the library for one of the associations that hired me my book Face to Face, How to Reclaim the Personal Touch in a Digital World. I have to add that one to my reading list. <laughs> well, and and I love Dan Pink's books, and they're such. And Dan Pink endorsed the last two editions of How to Work a Room, and there's a long story behind that that I won't bore you with. But Dan Pink, I love his writing. I've been a fan of his since he was writing about the solo entrepreneur back in the day. I read Malcolm Gladwell's books. I like Seth Godin's, but I'm reading The Road to Character by David Brooks. And I think character is so important. You know, we talk about, oh, can I work a room? Am I a great networker? I have these two words that I love, maybe three right now, and they're old-fashioned words. Character, kindness, and being nice. Almost the golden rule. And I think that when we talk about networking, you know, networking is the follow-up. Networking is... 
for all the people that say, oh, I want to network for my professional, influential, scalable, blah, blah, blah. Should I throw in another buzzword? How about this? The people that really understand networking, it's not a business style. It's a lifestyle. It's a style of sharing ideas, leads, information, sources, and supporting each other and sharing support. So really, when you really go out there and are the kindest, exhibit the character, and are nice to people, those are the mainstays in networking. That's that's brilliant. It's it used to it comes brings to mind to me one word which is authenticity and being authentic. So I think that that's that's absolutely huge. Well, Susan, thank you very much for joining me on the show. We're going to now take a break here. And we're going to jump into the uh, Take Action Today segment. Would you be willing to stick around with me for the uh, Take Action Today segment? You're stuck with me. <laughs> Outstanding. All right, listeners, we'll be back in just a moment. All right, everyone, welcome back. And now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. I've asked Susan to stick around to provide an actionable element of information that you can use to enhance your activity and your interaction when you're out there socializing and networking. But first, I want to share a little more from our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. Our listeners often ask us what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FE, PE, or SE exam. Hands down, we recommend PPI. If you plan to take your exam soon, we have a special promo code for listeners of our podcast. Use promo code COACH for 15% off your order at ppi2pass.com slash coach. Again, that's ppi, the number two, pass.com slash coach. And use promo code COACH at checkout for a 15% discount on your order. PPI's mission is simple. They want to help engineers pass the FE, PE, and SE exams and advance their careers. Quality is paramount at PPI. In fact, it's the driving force behind everything they do. With best-selling exam review materials developed by PPI founder Michael Lindeberg and other experts in the industry, they have been the source and solution for passing the FE, PE, and SE exams for more than 40 years. To see how PPI can help you pass your exam, and for special offers and discounts exclusive to our podcast listeners, visit ppi2pass.com slash coach. That's PPI, the number two, pass.com slash coach. All right, Susan. Last question that I'll ask you for today, which is which is our Take Action Today segment, is what are three things our listeners can do starting this week to build their social skills in the virtual environment? What you can do is make sure that you have a Twitter handle. Start following people that you think are interesting, fun, as, of course, moi. Start following people you think are interesting, fun, authors. I follow Neil deGrasse Tyson, people who are really smart. When you see something they've written, favorite it, retweet it. Let everyone you know that you know that you have a Twitter account and ask them to follow you. Follow them back. And in Twitter, make sure that you tweet at least twice a day. Also, what you can do, and they learned this from Guy Kawasaki, if you put together a tweet, you can retweet it three and four times because everybody looks at their Twitter feed at on different timelines especially that we're a global economy. So that's with Twitter. You can make Twitter friends, hashtag, you know, find out who's in your area, join in the lists. And there's so many how-to for Twitter, but that would be your start. 
and be active. Don't be a lurker. Nobody likes a lurker. I have a cousin who is a lurker on Facebook. She always makes comments. Stop commenting because she never does anything about posting, so we know nothing about her. You have to be a participant in the virtual world. And the goal is conversation and relationships. LinkedIn, the same thing. Post, read other people's posts, like them, make a comment, share them. And that's how you can get started in the LinkedIn world. Also, on LinkedIn, I'm going to give you a big don't. Please don't send their boilerplate. I would like you to join me on LinkedIn. Don't do that to people. Personalize it and let the person know how you've met them or why you're inviting them. Otherwise, I personally do not accept any invitations from people I don't know because LinkedIn tells you not to. And I'm the one that told it to my friend who was with LinkedIn a number of years ago. So personalize your information. Let people know why you're inviting them if they don't know you. By the way, when someone says to me, I read How to Work a Room and Face-to-Face and I love your books and I'd like to link in with you, I may not know them. That's all they have to say. I immediately accept. Because they've done their homework. They've done their homework. Actually, and if you've met someone at an event, remind them of what event and maybe a bit of the interaction. That will help them place you and you'll become more viable in their memory bank than if you just do that. Would you join my LinkedIn network? Help people remember you and want to link with you. Those are awesome inputs. And Susan, with that, you can look for my uh, <laughs> look for my LinkedIn request later on. <laughs> Tell me I'm fabulous and I'll say yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Consider it done. Consider it done. Uh, that, that's awesome. And I, I really appreciate those. I think those are absolutely powerful, powerful tips. And we have an absolute ton of links that are going to go into our show notes today with your Twitter handle. We'll throw in my Twitter handle, Anthony's Twitter handle. Both, both he and I are very active in, in Twitter as well, as well as on LinkedIn. And I agree with you. I mean, these are just, they're powerful networks. And, and it's a great way to be able to keep in touch with people that you meet at different conferences and conventions and seminars and even just, you know, your colleagues and keeping them all up to, up to speed on, on what's, you know, the, what you're looking at and keeping everybody informed. So I think it's just absolutely powerful. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed reading your book, uh, How to Work a Room, and I've got in my reading list your other titles as well. Why don't you just quickly share with us, where can, where can our listeners learn more about you? Where can they get connected with you? Of course, use, of course using the right, the right methods to get connected with you. Where can they go out to find more about what Suzanne Rowan is doing in the world? Well, luckily, I have had a website for over 16 years. And I keep on replacing the picture. So, you know, because so people would recognize me. It's SusanRowan.com, S-U-S-A-N-R-O-A-N-E.com, HowToWorkAroom.com. Both lead to me. There are free chapters of books. There are many articles, you know, my blog about different issues. In fact, we just posted one on the three ways to make new business contacts. Um, I have one on LinkedIn on the uh, correct way to follow up. But here's another thing. What I do in the real world, and I've spoken to engineering firms and engineering associations and IT people, is feel free if you liked anything you heard. If you're with a company or association, I am for hire. And I do this for a lot of firms and companies 
And I start off conferences with these tips that set the tone for conventions, meetings, and conferences so people actually not only meet each other, but they have a take-home skill they can use to build their own networks. Thank you very much, Susan. And we're going to have, again, listeners, links galore in the show notes for today's episode. And in fact, you can go to engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash socialize or to the teccpodcast.com. And there you're going to find all these show links. You're going to find links to the books we've talked about. You're going to find out how to get in touch with Susan, how to find out more about what she does, how to get in touch with her. If you are with a firm or a company and you want to reach out and do more interaction with her and the goodness that she brings to the world, Susan, again, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. It was an absolute pleasure. Oh, my pleasure. What fun. Thank you so much, Christian. Absolutely. And for everyone out there that's in the world listening, I wish you absolutely the best. And until next time, continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.